and welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Mitiki Conlon. I am the pastor at St. Paul's and Good Shepherd Lutheran Churches in Easton, Pennsylvania. And this is Lydia Puzzle, the pastor of Family of God Lutheran in Buckingham, Pennsylvania. And we are Lit Liturgy, your favorite creative liturgy podcast. We are lit because we are amazing, awesome. The coat, the, I was going to, I totally screwed that up. Like, I was going to say, you even drinking already, Lydia. <laughs> Totes, my goats, and the cat's pajamas, and all that stuff in between. <laughs> Whatever I tried to. I know who uses the phrase totes, my goats. But anyway. And, um, and, and we're drinking because, as you can tell by Lydia not being able to say totes, my goats. Um, Lydia, what you drinking today? I have a hard cider, which I haven't had for like three months. And I was like, oh, I really want some cider. So we got some. And I'm very excited. It's more of a, it's a rosé, so it's kind of more fruity. But later, I think I might have, uh, like, an actual traditional cider. Nice. And I'm drinking bourbon, and my bourbon choice of the day is Redemption, which is a pre-Prohibition era bourbon that's been revitalized. I forget the phrase that was on the bottle. I don't have a bottle with me. I'm not redeemed. that much of a drunk. Were they redeemed? I don't know. Redemption. Um, we're going to swear at some point, because, you know. It's us and it's quarantine still. <laughs> still. Okay. Still. If you're listening to this in like 2024, going, oh yeah, those times, good times. Anyway, and uh, thanks to Brian O'Dean for our lovely theme music. I gotta say that this time. <laughs> oh yeah, you, jump, you jumped on it. Awesome. Well, I was giving you the opportunity and you didn't <laughs> take it, so I took it. So... Um, so every month we, well, it's been a little different lately, but we try and do, uh, something looking into the theme, uh, of something more in depth of a liturgical topic or something creative for the life of the church. And we were going to do something else today, but the world has changed cause it's 2020. So what are we talking about today, Lydia? <laughs> yeah, as I take a drink, uh, we're talking about the church's response to systemic racism. So we are... <laughs> Kind that of, might you need to take a drink to fortify yourself for this yeah, conversation. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with kind of how the world is in uh, the things that are happening in June of 2020. Um, we have all of the the protests and the rallies for George Floyd and all of the other African Americans who have been um, unfairly uh, murdered, <laughs> and what it has been the church's role in the church's response to this justice issue. So we sort of formulated our thoughts uh, into sort of two different categories. The first being, you know, what our response is like liturgically and in worship. And then we're, later we'll talk about how we can um, talk about this sort of in conversation. And we're going to just throw a crap ton of resources at you later on. So get ready. <laughs> uh, and before we go, uh, and I think one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this today is and it's what I preached on this morning is this feels different um this time like this um we have seen in the last uh 10 years or so as there's been different uh riots and protest and uh, awareness of uh, the systemic injustice of of to black and brown bodies for some reason it's been this time when we've seen the video of george floyd's death so closely after brianna taylor and armand arbery's that so much of the world has responded and i'm not sure if that's because we've 
been home and hey, might as well go protest right now because we can't do anything else due to COVID. Or if it's because we people watched a video where that was an insanely long time of almost nine minutes of watching someone kneel on the back of someone's neck. Um, but we are now having a larger conversation, not just about the death of these three individuals, but also about the systematic injustice, about defunding the police is becoming more and more of a phrase. Um, and then also, uh, let's talk about how we got to this place in the first place, and, and especially the church's role. Yeah, because we need to talk about this stuff because yes. we are on the side of justice, <laughs> or at least we proclaim that. So the first kind of most obvious place to start um, is right at the beginning of our worship service in our moment of confession and absolution. There's so many resources that are available actually right now to do some really powerful confess, confess, confessing and lamenting of our um, participation in the sin of systematic racism. And I can't even begin to say like where they all are because they're just all over the place. Um, there's just so many right now. This morning I used um, Southeast Penn's Senate Assembly did a really great confession or strong confession in our 2017 Senate Assembly. So I basically stole that and did that this morning. And that was pretty, it was pretty easy to do it in a online worship forum. I just said, all right, when it's your time to say something, you're say like, hear our prayer or have mercy on us or whatever. So I think that worked really well. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about for this first half is just kind of looking at it through new eyes, um, looking at it from an outsider's perspective and what, what strikes you as, oh, well, that seems odd, or even being aware of that conversation and not say, well, we've always done it that way, or trying to explain long-term theological reasonings for stuff that uh, maybe are not as obvious to someone who's an outsider, if you've heard this before. And so one of those things is the uh, light and darkness metaphors, which come up all the time, especially in Advent. And we want to th think of uh, so often the, you know, let our, um, that we talk about the light growing through Advent as we light more candles. Um, and so we take that light is good and darkness is bad. And so often that has been used to that people with light skin is good and people with dark skin is bad. And so maybe walk away from those metaphors, find new metaphors of if you can, e or even explain the, like, it might mean wordier, but as the candlelight grows, and so people know you are talking about not lightness, but you're talking about physical light of the candle. Yeah, like the flame. We add yes. more flames. Yes, talk yeah, about flame instead of light. Talk about yeah. brightness instead of light. Um, yeah, and, and we'll get to some more of those later too. Bright versus dimness. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, that's a really good one to bring up with the Advent reads because I guess because it's never too early to think about the future and what things will like now traditionally now would sort of be the time of like, let's think about Advent and we need to order new candles and like all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, another pretty obvious symbol 
that is pretty much right there if you're if you wear a white alb i know not every protestant tradition has that as their tradition for lack of a better word but i know a lot of lutherans we wear the white alb and like we cling to that the symbolism of like washed clean and white and the blood Mm -hmm. of jesus but like is that what is that saying and i think And my seminary had ones that had hoods on the back. Yeah. And that's a little, oh, a whole lot close to the KKK. Uh, Yes, just a little bit. Um, And I know I have a lot of friends who've had really, like, conversations with lots of people about, like, what to do. And I know some people have chosen, you know what, I'm going to wear a black cassock or I'm going to wear a black preaching robe, like some of our Presbyterian siblings. Others, um, you know, are, have said, I'm going to keep, I'm going to wear this at least for the time being, but we're going to talk about it and we're going to have a conversation about it, about why or like what this means and to be intentional about opening up a conversation. So we know albs are expensive and maybe it's not in the cards for you right now, but it's something to think about. And just something that I know as white people, we don't think about unless it's often pointed out to us. Yes. And like, I know a few people who've dyed them um, with mixed success. Um, if you're going to dye it, I would suggest having maybe a professional person dye your all because um, don't just go out and get the right, a, a right a writ dye or whatever it's called, because you might end up with a mess and um, yeah, you don't want that either. Yeah. Or, or because it's summer and I know some of us are worshiping outside or just in warm buildings or just, just wear a stole, like Mm -hmm. just wear whatever you wear on your Sunday morning, collar, no collar, whatever, just wear your stole. And speaking of stoles, um, we have seasons of the church year that are, are white slash gold. Mm-hmm. And me, and even though we just exited one of those seasons being the Easter season, now might be the time to think about if you have a white stole and yep. maybe want to update that, maybe think to gold. about the gold, you know, if you have like an anniversary of an ordination coming up, you know, make some suggestions about like, you know, it'd be great to have like a gold stole or, and, or update your pyramids too. Now might be an okay time to think about doing that kind of yeah. ahead of the game. Yep. And as we're talking about this, about the light to the darkness and the golden light, I mean, not just pyramids, but also banners that you might have. Um, take a look at those and what's written on them. Like, so often we have Bible verses. And so, let, you know, let your light shine in the darkness um, is a huge verse that's on a lot of uh, banners for Advent. Um, maybe not something as as. A- they might need um, updating anyway, so you might as well, yeah. you know, retire Great Aunt Edna's banner. Remember when we t- <laughs> talked about that? We always pick on those banners. Um, we need to also update our own language and what we use. So there's a lot of hymnody that has some um, some language to it that if we actually take the time to read the words, we'll be like, oh, yeah, or know the history behind those songs, um, both for using songs that have racist roots, but also to lift up songs from 
other traditions, uh, especially uh, African American and, and Hispanic and other people of color um, traditions, so that we are hearing a wider variety of music. Um, you know, in the ELCA, we have a hymnal, we have two hymnals, one that's mainly African American music and one that's mainly Hispanic music. And um, to have those as a resource, even if you don't have them all in the pews for people to use, at least have them as a resource so that they are um, choir anthems on occasion or that the, you know, let's print this in the bulletin instead and sing that or whatever the case is going to be. Because let's be honest, most churches are not using hymnals as hymnals anymore anyway. They're just decor in the back of the pews. It's something <laughs> that you can use to write on top of. Yeah, and maybe some of you aren't going to choose to have hymnals going forward anyway. So this might be a good opportunity to, you yay know, COVID. Tweak, yeah, yay COVID, uh, tweak some language here and there. Um, don't quote us about copyright and stuff, but, or write your own, probably the safest, maybe just to write your own if you have some local talent. Um, or really the point is to kind of try to avoid, you know, the, those hymns as much as possible if you can. All right, talk about some light darkness language. So as we alluded to earlier, uh, there are so many other words you can use that are better and more specific to what you want to say. Because most of the time we are really lazy and just use the word dark for like obscure or things that are dim. Like the way forward is we can't see it. Um, instead of saying like the dark and scary way forward, we could say the way forward is obscured. We can't see it. And then on the flip side, if we use more specific language like dawn or brightness or shining or revealing, because most of the time that's what we're using anyway. Um, we're waiting for the coming dawn. Um, the dawn of the reign of Christ instead of the light of Christ. Uh, we get out that thesaurus and get specific and say what you actually mean. And cause it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's just, this is probably the one thing that we can do like right now mm -hmm. to, um, to our preaching. Yep. Um, and when you're preaching, preach on the topic of Black Lives Matter. Say people's names in your preaching or in the prayers who have been killed by police violence or who have been killed by violence as a whole in your community. Um, preach on the intersectionality of uh, women X uh, and, uh, and LGBTQIA+, especially trans, um, because that often gets left out in the LGBTQ um, conversation. Um, and mention it because, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to go into the, this entire sermon's going to be about it. But like when you're preaching about social justice and you're going to talk about food insecurity for us, you know, you can put a sentence about food insecurity and put a sentence about education at reform that all are being educated. And then you can put a sentence about making sure that people of all races are welcome. And then another sentence about people of, of all gender identities and sexualities are welcomed as well. Um, and so if you just have the, these sentences add up, these little bits add up and, um, and to start actually changing minds. So, and included also not just preaching, but prayers as well, whether it's prayers of the people slash intercession, or if you're changing your prayer of the day, um, when you include, uh, if you're, if you are one to include the saints in your, your great Thanksgiving, include then not just saint whoever who died in europe 500 years ago but 
also include the saint who just died on the city block last week. Say their name. Mm -hmm. I know some churches, they'll often include church members who have died within the last week, but include those who are making headlines too um, from due to violence. So Mm -hmm. um, something we haven't included, and I'm not sure if it's actually on the list uh, because that's what I was scrolling. I had to find out. Um, Also look at your decor and not just in the sanctuary and those banners, but look at like in Sunday school classrooms, look at what is in your children's Bibles and how often are people depicted as white? And, you know, is Jesus that picture from a blonde haired blue eyed Jesus? And it's been the same pictures that has been in every Sunday school classroom since the 1950s. It's time to come down. Um, yeah. And you know, whether that's you get something that is truly, this is black Jesus, or just something that's more ethnically ambiguous, Jesus is okay. Ethnically ambiguous Abraham, ethnically ambiguous disciples, ethnically ambiguous um, the prophet, or I don't know, like, it doesn't matter. Put put in ethnically ambiguous drawings and, yeah. and depictions of people, and that's okay. Or ones that... Um, your like if you are using a Sunday school curriculum that shows pictures of you know in the handouts that you give to kids and all the kid all the people are white it's time to get a new Sunday school curriculum if you are looking at uh, or vacation bible school curriculum I mean last year and also look at that VBS stuff last year there's a huge uproar with was it group one of them had a was it called roar yeah, it was the Roar curriculum, and it was about one of the uh, lessons was about the uh, Egypt, uh, the Israelites being slaves in Egypt, and it had the kids act out slavery. Uh, huge mess up. <laughs> and then it was like people were mean to each other. Is like yeah. how they were explaining it. Yeah, it was. I mean, and granted, you're trying to explain slavery to like young kids without it taking over the entire topic but maybe it was, uh, yeah, maybe sometimes allow it to take, you know, let's have a real conversation about slavery with six years olds instead of having, you know, making sure that we sing that song. Um, and there's something else that there's two things, but that was the big one. There was a lot of like very white. Was it the one that was like very white people were depicted? No, I think that's, but it's, it's true. And cause especially a lot of vacation Bible school stuff comes from especially evangelical backgrounds, which are very white and very white leaning. And so be conscious of that when you're picking out your curriculum. And even if it's like, Hey, this is theologically sound and I like it. Um, then either go with it, but then don't buy all their crap that you're going to hand out to your kids or, go with the one that maybe not quite as theologically sound or a little bit more expensive or whatever it is, but depicts people that you feel comfortable giving to your, to your kids so that they are seeing um, all of the kids. Um, I'm preaching on Genesis this um, summer. And so my sermon today was uh, about uh, the Genesis reading was about Abraham um, being told yet again he was going to have a kid this time with the visitors and Sarah being told too and her laughing and I preached on the song father Abraham had many kids many kids had father Abraham I am one of them and so are you and I was talking about how when we gesture to the other kids I mean just because you're white doesn't mean that 
these who, you know, when you're gesturing to a group of people, so are you, not everyone's skin color matches, and yet they're still children, children of Abraham. So. Yeah. And there were no white people in the Bible. No. Yeah. But to like say that out loud is both duh and oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All at the same time. So let's talk about, um, move on to like, so we, we covered worship basically is sort of a one way ish proclaiming. Let's talk about some things we can do and talk about with your people in conversation. Yes. So like, as I titled this section, white people educate yourselves. Like yes. we need to like get our people, like white people, we need to get our people. So there are so many resources out there that do not say, that do not go, let me ask my one black congregant to explain racism to everyone. Um, because don't do, don't, just don't. Like, no, no, no. There's enough resources out there. Go educate yourself. Don't go and, uh, and ask one person to speak on behalf of their entire race because you're too lazy to go look something up on the internet. We have Google. Yes. We have no excuse. Um, so some great books that are out there, um, Lenny Duncan's Dear Church, um, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibrahim e uh, Kendi. Those are um, uh, Austin Channing Brown's uh, I'm Still Here. Uh, there's so many. Anahasi Coates. Like, yes. yeah, there's just so much right now. Basically, look at the top 10 best-selling books right now and read read those yeah, and they're all on back order, and that's all right. Order yeah. them on back order and read them as they come in. Or order them from a local bookstore. Bonus points if you order them from a local African American or um, minority bookstore. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, some great podcasts. Uh, I've been listening to NPR Code Switch since I think it started. And it's great because, I mean, so it's not like, oh, in the moment, it is a, um, it, it does reflect on the news of today, but it's constantly talking about race and, um, that idea. And they, they have this entire thing about the explanatory comma where they have to be like, let me explain this for all you white people that don't know what we're talking about. And I love that. Um, and then New York Times came out with a, I think it was a short-term podcast. It might've only been like four or six episodes last year um, for the four, uh, at the four, 400th anniversary of the first time African, uh, Africans stepped foot on North America. Um, and it's the New York Times uh, podcast called 1619. Um, so again, it's a short-term podcast. You aren't committed to long, you know, four, six hours of your life and learn a whole, whole lot. So. Yeah. And so there's also movies you can watch with your congregation. A lot of them are, are on Netflix or they're streaming and a lot of different platforms right now, like 13th, um, which I've seen, which is awesome. I think I watched it last year. Just Mercy. I've haven't seen it, but I've heard. Oh, it's fabulous. I, I saw that when in theaters, it came out right around Christmas time. And it is, it's really one of those, uh, the general gist of it is it's about a lawyer who is in, I want to say Alabama, he's in the South, the deep South black man, and just battling systematic uh, racism in the, um, uh, with men who are put on death row and getting them off a of death row. Yeah, heard it's really great. So any, the movie and Selma. Oh, yeah. so go ahead. I was gonna say Just uh, just Mercy, but also Selma are free on a lot of platforms for the month of June. Um, 
a lot of those streaming platforms. So mm-hmm. yeah, Selma's really good. And then for kids, I caught the tail end of this live, the CN on CNN, the Sesame Street Town Hall. I don't remember the full title. It had like twelve titles, yeah. but it was really good. Like amazing. So go watch that, even if you're an adult, especially if you're an adult. Uh, there's also a lot of books available for kids, and you can find all sorts of these lists out there of different picture books and diverse books, um, or, or books to help explain racism to kids. Uh, there's one list that I have that's from, it's actually almost a list of lists in some ways. Um, it is from Embrace uh, embracerace.org. Um, That's also a great website to go to for other information about how to talk and uh, about race um, and especially with children um, and different activities on reading with kids and other um, and even how to talk about what's happening in the news with kids. So because guess what? As much as you want to protect them, kids are still hearing this stuff. So, hey, when slavery comes up of the Israelites in ancient Egypt, you can find some information on how to actually talk about that with kids without making it sound like it was just a, you know, a work camp for the week. (laughs) So, um, InterVarsity Press has a list of um, wonderful books available for about faith, uh, faithful justice is what they're calling it, all sorts of different uh, resources. They are actually allowing you to have, oh, I'm wrong. Huh. They were very briefly allowing uh, a, free, uh, a free ebook, but they, that offer is ended, but they are allowing you to get 50% off any of their ebooks at the moment. Um, so, and some of them are anything from uh, Bread for Resistance, which is about devotions for justice people to uh, beyond colorblind, uh, becoming a just church, um, beyond hashtag activism. So a huge variety. I mean, a lot of them about faith and justice, um, but a huge um, variety on whether it's a devotion or hires how to make your church, your congregation um, more active. And they also, I think that includes just different books by authors of color. The really cool thing is they're still paying full royalties to their authors for that. So it's not just a, that's, hey, we're going to offer this and then we aren't going to actually pay our, our authors. They're still getting stuff. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, there's also a website. I just found out about this last night. I haven't been able to exploit, explore it too, too much. Um, it's a website called, um, uh, it's, by Tori Williams Douglas. It's toriglass.com and it's white homework is on it. And she at the moment has, I think, three different lessons that you can do about white homework. And I think each one of them are like $12. So, um, and I think it's one that's meant you can use it with your congregation possibly still for the $12. Again, haven't looked into it that much. Lesson one is on about Native people and European settlers and colonialism. Lesson two is about mass incarceration. Mass incarceration. Lesson three is about anti-racism in the workplace. And so just to kind of get us to start thinking about how to um, get beyond 
where we're at and again, educate ourselves and do the work ourselves instead of asking someone to do it for us. Mm -hmm. um, and I came down and I just found this, I was going through a, through the white homework website, I found this web series and this is going to be on my to watch list for this coming week. Um, it's, uh, it's called the next question and it's hosted by Austin Channing Brown, Jenny Booth Porter, and uh, I think it's Chi Chi uh, Okwu is how it's pronounced. Um, and this is the description. It's a, it's a video web series engages leaders, activists, creatives, and thinkers imagining how expansive racial justice can be. And the host explain imaginations with the help of incredible con contributors. And it's not just about the show. They have in-depth conversations become the groundswell for book clubs, reading homework, discussion groups, and more. So it sounds like something you shouldn't binge, but like there, I was looking and most of the episodes are like 45 minutes and they have a, um, someone that they interview that is on these like, you know, authors of these lists um, right now. Um, and then kind of has some time for reflection. So my hope is maybe to spend this week watching one of those episodes uh, a day and taking some time to think about it. But um, I was watching like the first five minutes of the first episode earlier today and it's definitely on my list. So this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the fa my favorite document that I thing that I've resourced that I've come across thus far is this Google Doc um, that has been put together by three yeah by three MDiv candidates and I have no clue where their MDiv candidates at. It's Anna Strambrowski, Nikki Zimmerman, and Bailey Gregory are the authors at the bottom of this document, and it is and it's an eight page document, but it's great because. Um, a good chunk of it, it's a chart. And so on the one column is stages of white identity. The second column is resources and it includes resources for a variety of learning types. So activities, podcasts, videos, articles, books to read. Um, and then the last column is what to do next. So how you can continue to educate yourself or think so that you can move from one stage to the next. So, um, to give you an idea, the stages are uh, contact, which I don't see talk, uh, color or talking about race brings disunity and a belief that racism is caused by talking about race. Then there's disintegration. I feel bad for being white and feeling like you're stuck. Then there's reintegration. It's not my fault that I'm white. I have a black friend, child, relative, etc. cetera. Um, you're kind of defensive when talking about race. There's pseudo-independence, how can I be white and anti-racist, and a belief that privilege is not based on, on merit, uh, privilege is not based on merit, but on bias and racism. And then there's immersion where you begin to work against systems of oppression, and then the uh, autonomy, which is where you are truly anti-racist. Um, and it gives you, like I said, a bunch of different activities and podcast articles, books, movies even to watch or uh, listen to, read, um, to kind of think about how to jump from one article to another. Um, a bunch, they list a whole bunch of different Instagram and Twitter uh, people to follow on Instagram and Twitter. 
they have uh, some ideas of how to be anti-racist from various faith traditions. So here's the, the Christian ones, because I'm assuming most people listening to this are Christian. Uh, the Color Compromise by Jamar Tidsby, Dear Church by Lenny Duncan, Disunity in Christ by Chris, uh, Christina Cleveland, The Cross and the Link Lynching Tree by James Cone, Reconciling Bru uh, Blues by Edward Gilbreth, Tears We Cannot Stop, um, by Michael Eric Dyson, which is a book that I've ordered, and but the paperback doesn't come out until January or something like that. Trouble I've Seen by Drew G.I. Hart. I Bring the Voices of My People. Um, um, Chan Kuei, Walker Barnes, Dear White Christians by Jennifer Harvey, and Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson and uh, Christian Smith. And I'm sure I've butchered some of those names since I was just reading it quickly. But they also have resources for other faiths as well. Uh, they have resources for novels, uh, podcasts, those in education, um, uh, stuff for youth and at various age levels for youth, um, both in fiction and nonfiction. Like again, super great resource, this working document of this Google Doc. Um, I think I actually got it through, um, I backed Holy Troublemakers as a Kickstarter and uh, I think the author of that book uh, shared it, and that's how I came across it. But I've seen it one uh, another place or two since then. So good find. This is a good find. So yeah. So we just threw a whole crap ton of stuff at you. Mm -hmm. Pick one. Just pick pick one thing, and then do something with it. Have start some conversations, allow time for these uh, conversations to take place, curate a safe space for people to share their feelings, um, share these resources with your congregations, have like a Zoom book group. I know we sort of like, the joke is sort of like, yeah, when we have a justice issue, we have a book group and we read a book about it. But that's planting the seed. And if you're having a book group, picking one of these books, you're saying to your congregation, this is an important issue that is vital for us to talk about. And we need to at least address it. If you don't do anything with this book, fine. Well, not fine, but like, at least, you know, that this is something that your pastor is saying that is really important to talk about. Yeah. Um, or partner with a congregation that is primarily uh, black, indigenous, or people of color, partner with social justice organizations, attend those protests that are happening. Um, I will freely honest, uh, there's supposed to be one in the town that my uh, church is in. I was planning on going to it this afternoon and just went, no, I'm done. Like it's Sunday afternoon. And even with online worship, I was just done. So, well, you've been, you, but you've already been to one, right? Or two? I've been to a few already. Okay. I was gonna say you've been to more than one. Yeah um for this round of protest right. <laughs> so yeah. i wear my clerical shirt address i think more for protest than i do for church stuff but yeah, but you gotta um, show that's important yeah so lydia what have you personally been doing thus far because instead of, let's like actually say that we are, this isn't just us pie in the sky ideas like both of us are doing this yeah we're trying to do stuff on the ground so this morning i did the intentional confession about systemic racism last week our pres in the elc at the presiding bishop um did have a sermon that addressed a lot of these issues and this week i sort of like pushed the envelope farther in my um in my preaching and mentioned it in the prayers um we did just have a book group about another topic 
And I'm already starting to think about, I want to do something else uh, book group wise, maybe perhaps in the fall. So I'm kind of discerning which one of these many amazing books uh, I want to read with my congregation in the fall. I um, was briefly at the Doylestown um, uh, protest and showed up for that. And hopefully we'll have other conversations um, in my congregation in the summer. So that's sort of just like the tip of the iceberg of where I'm starting from. So what about you? Um, let's see. Uh, so going back even before this, uh, my congregation did uh, do Lenny Duncan's Dear Church as a book group read. Um, I guess we did that in the fall because I think we finished it. It was, yeah, it was the first book group, book that I read with the new congregation. Um, then uh, since uh, George Floyd's death, um, let's see, I, per I already had purchased, I went on this book buying binge a few, like a month and a half ago and bought Austin Channing Brown's I'm Still Here. And so I read that. Um, I have attended a few protests myself and have been, have posted about it on uh, social media with like, hey, if any of my congregation members want to be there, I'll be there. Or if anyone wants to be there, I'll be there. Um, just because I know some people are more willing to show up if they know they'll have a buddy um, in that place. I've, um, I have shared a list of resources with my congregation multiple times. I preached on it both on Pentecost, um, and then again today, and then last week was uh, the presiding bishop sermon. So we've had three sermons in a row that have really talked about racial equality um, and the church being bad systematically about it. And then uh, I wanted to do this. So I sent out an email earlier in the week and I felt like this needed to happen sooner rather than later. And I had a time, a Zoom conversation for people who wanted to talk about race. Unfortunately, my week was crazy. So the time it was available was like a crap time. But I still had, I think, six people who showed up at like, and it was like five o'clock on a Tuesday with like 24 hours notice um, and talked about racism and the church. And so then we did it again today after worship where I invited people to stick around on Zoom and over half stuck around for at least the beginning of the conversation. And I just kind of, and my con my congregations are 98% white. Like we have a few people of color, um, but not many. And those who are, are not in leadership roles. Most of them come to worship and that's it. Um, and then, but my one congregation in particular has St. Paul's, which I've been at longer. So I know more of the families and extended families. I would say just about every, not every, but a good chunk, like well over 70% of the congregation um, have a inner, has a multiracial Thanksgiving dinner. As in they have uh, in-laws or cousins or good friends that are practically family members who are of different races. Uh, non-white and so we had the conversation it was a lot of just it started with just allowing people to share and we talked a little bit about white privilege and how people who think that their families their ancestors had it hard and what's the difference I'm like well because people don't look at you and think that you should have it hard now 
Um, and so it was a good conversation for a start for a lot of people who, and one of the women who talked was in her late eighties, early nineties and talking about how much life has changed for her. Um, but I'm also in a, I will freely admit a fairly liberal congregations that are not blatantly like, let's jump on board every social justice issue there is, but people who have, um, who aren't going to kick me out of the congregation because how dare I mention um, white privilege or Black Lives Matter or <laughs> um, so, but it was a good conversation and I would encourage other people to do it. And um, as far as next steps, uh, I kept on wanting to figure out what the next steps were. And I think I'm with you of our, we've been doing book groups for two, three years now. And so I think the next book that I'll use is probably not going to be a church related one, but one that's intent, like how to be anti-racist or white fragility or the new Jim Crow, Crow or uh, America's original sin or something like that as a, an, a way of talking about race and continuing that conversation. And by the time that happens, it will be September. So we might be in a new news cycle by then, um, but it will still be on our conversation. Exactly. And, and, and the point is we shouldn't just be talking about this when something horrific happens to make the news. We need to, we yeah. need to keep this in front of people's eyes. Just keep yeah. going. Just keep doing that good work. <laughs> yeah. um, we did get a BYOB of, um, from Greg Hartman, who's a fellow Lutheran pastor. Um, he said he recently went from the usual white, white alb to a black robe. And as a white man that usually has his head shaved to, his, to the skin, it's important change for him to make, um, which is huge as both of us are um, women that have a lot of hair <laughs> that, uh, that is getting even crazier in the time of COVID um, that when thinking about white robes, especially if you are someone who, you know, whether you're tattooed or shaved head. Yeah. For stylistic reasons, if you choose to have yeah. a shaved head, we appreciate you, Greg. And thank you so much for yeah. coming in and doing the good work that you're doing. Yes. All right. Should we talk about some shots? Sure. Let's... You want to start or do you want me to start? Um, go for it. All right. So we're going to start with July 5th, which is Independence Day weekend. Woohoo. Woo. <laughs> yeah. So long, long weekend. Um, so the, the Old Testament reading, we're just going to do the Old Testament and gospel. Yeah. And these are the semi-continuous Old Testament readings, not the thematic ones, because I'm doing semi-continuous and I... We can do what Becca says, like, thank, frankly. <laughs> and you should just be preacher in Genesis. It's all the old Sunday school stories, so sh do them. What yeah. else? It's They're great. Good. Yeah. Anyway. This, this is, and this is right up, right up the good story alley. This, the Old Testament is Isaac marries Rebecca, which is a great story. And then the, the uh, Matthew 11 reading is basically Jesus. What, to what shall I compare this generation? Blah, 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 blah. But, um, for if you're doing the Genesis reading, which you probably should anyway, um, you could possibly choose a children's Bible for kind of a better flow. Uh, the big thing to highlight, especially theologically, is that Rebecca has a say in this marriage. She consents. Um, this is not normal or not, at least we don't hear stories of a woman who is saying, yeah, great. This sounds fine. Um, or at least any say at all. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
for the Genesis or the for the Matthew reading, you could do some sort of comparison to the generations, how interview people in different generations, um, talk about their different church experiences, especially like, which would be interesting to do right now because we're kind of in a very different moment. Highlight the differences uh, first, but make sure you go back to the commonalities of our faith journeys and the things that bind us together, no matter how we worship in whatever age, how we're doing it online, in person, whatever, highlight the similarities and how it's all worship. And this is something that that interview could completely take place, take the place of the sermon. Um, And hey, it would be a good time, like, put that together of just the questions and to ask, you know, I'm picturing like a five-year-old, a 15-year-old, someone in their thirties and, you know, someone in their fifties and then like a 90 year old, like asking these questions. Uh, July 12th, uh, Genesis reading is Jacob and Esau born. Jacob steals and buys uh, slash buys Esau's birthright. And uh, gospel is Matthew 13, uh, which is the parable of the soil. Uh, So for Genesis, God often sides with the younger sibling. And this is again, not normal for society. Um, but throughout the Bible, but especially Genesis, God is siding with the younger one. But there's also this idea, and one of the speakers at the, um, I was at a church rally thing, um, protest, um, that was very much uh, clergy specific on Thursday. And one of them was talking about uh, how Esau was doubled by Jacob, because it was the birthright here, and then we'll hear about the the blessing later. And but also we can think about how people are double tricked by society today by systematic oppression. So like all of those treaties that Native American tribes signed in order for the United States government, in order to get them to agree to go to a reservation or get them to agree to do this, and then the U.S. government hasn't fulfilled. Or all of these other times that people have said throughout history, um, oh, we are going to work for whatever reform only for the money to not be there to make those reforms possible. So we've done that for a long time. Uh, For the Matthew reading, uh, the parable of the soil, if you're going to do this, do this now. (laughs) Get up four glasses that are clear, put in the different types of soil, good soil, rocks, um, really compact, maybe a little cup of cement, uh, and ones with a bunch of other stuff growing in it throw in a bunch of seeds, watch this, uh, the, watch them grow, nurture them over the next four weeks, a few weeks, whatever it is. And then you can hold up the different cups and talk about how these actually grew in the different types of soil. And again, this is something you can do online or in person. Um, and you, if it's clear cups, you can also talk about the root system, especially amongst the thorn, uh, the rocky soil, about how there are no, um, uh, roots and then also with the thorns about how the roots will steal and you can also then use it for the next week which is as Lydia is going to talk about the parable yeah. of the weeds yeah so, so you you're sensing a theme here so <laughs> so anyway uh the genesis reading is from genesis 28 which is uh jacob's dream which is the stairway to heaven and then the matthew reading is matthew 13 the parable of the weeds i always remember that silly little vbs song as a kid it was like be the wheat and not the weeds it was like trying to be this like doo-wop thing 
Yeah, it was like quintessential. I'm, I'm shaking my head because I do not remember this one at yeah, it all. It was like, oh, it was like totally had that oh thing in the chorus. And I remember just how bad it was. So there you go. Um, a little performance for you. Don't sing that song. Uh, fun story. So if you're doing <laughs> the Genesis focus, uh, the lectionary skips over Jacob getting Isaac's blessing and that whole kind of trickery thing and then running away. So you probably should mention that or kind of incorporate that um, missed the missed out bits um, because it, this whole thing is basically one continuous long story and that's a quintessential part of the narrative. So don't forget to add that. Um, you could do some interesting dream interpretation. There are lots of funny books out there that say things like if you dream about your teeth falling out, that means one particular thing. Um, and people have been having some crazy dreams because of COVID. Yeah. Like, I think we're kind of beyond that by now, but like the first month of when we were in quarantine, crazy dreams. I, well, I still sometimes dream in Zoom that yeah ex yep mm -hmm. it sounds as weird it is as weird as it sounds um you could play some led zeppelin i'm not as much as much of a connoisseur so maybe you want to say something about that uh <laughs> stairway to heaven oh i thought you meant the dreams i was like i'm not familiar with that part of led zeppelin <laughs> yeah play some stairway to heaven classic um <laughs> I was like, I missed that, those songs. Um, I'm really not up on some of like the classic pop culture references. FYI, if you haven't noticed, Josh is always like, you don't know that? Like you haven't heard that. So my hey, I'm living on Matthew. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Anyway, if you're doing the Matthew focus, again, you could uh, carry over what you did from the previous week with the weeds in the glass. Um, or you could have, especially if you do like a pre-recorded thing or have a way to incorporate a slideshow, you could play like, is this a weed or is this something that will produce food? And if you really want to trip people up or have something interesting, it's like something that is both. Like I'm thinking like dandelions, oh, we gosh. consider them, we consider them weeds, but you can eat them. They go I know. And as I said, gross, you shouldn't eat them. They taste horrible. Well, I don't eat them, but some people no. do. <laughs> My mother-in-law used to make dandelion wine. It was the most horrible thing. I've oh. not had that, but oh. some people do. Or there, I'm sure there are other foods out there, food plant things that like yeah. we would consider noxious, but are actually yummy. Yep. Put it with people's heads. Uh, July 26th, uh, Jacob marries Rachel and Leah. Uh, Matthew 13 is the gospel of the parable of the mustard seed and then the treasure and pearl. So if you're doing Genesis, you can compare Rachel and Leah to Rebecca as neither woman, a woman gets to say about their marriage. At least I'm pretty sure neither does. I didn't go back and reread that um, with that. Um, this is also the first of a set of sisters who constantly get compared to one another and that sets them up for what happens next in Genesis of the different kids. And we kind of skip over um, in the lectionary, the, all the, them having all the kids. And uh, uh, we can I think we skip the next one is like Jacob getting sold to, or Joseph getting sold by his brother. So, you know, fill, fill that story in. Um, so, um, and it's the sisters who get compared, like, you know, Rachel and Leah or Ruth and Oprah, which are granted our sister-in-laws, but they still get compared all the time. Um, if you're doing Mary Matthew, and Martha? <laughs> yeah, 
Oh yeah. How did I miss? Oh, I wrote Rachel and Leah instead of Mary and Martha in my. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think I know what you meant. I got gotcha. you. Uh, in the Matthew focus, uh, give out mustard seeds. I guess you have to be creative on how you're going to give those out due to COVID, but, or gold chocolate coins or pearls or pearl beads uh, as something for people to touch on to if you're doing in-person worship. Uh, the last little bit of the gospel is about fish in the net and how the fish are going to be tossed apart, uh, separated. And so you can have like paper fish that people write their names on and then it can be a decor of the net with all the fish going together, um, just something else. So, yeah. Cool. So those were our chasers. Or no, those were our shots. And now it's time for our chaser, so, which is basically everything we just said. Like our chaser is like, we just threw all those resources. Yeah. Like go down the rabbit hole. Yes. Do it. Uh, yeah. Go. If you read a book, read the, what to read next or read where their notes came from. Uh, and, or the, on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever of let's find your next read and keep going down that rabbit hole. So. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter as we keep up to date about whatever we're going to do next. Cause you know, it's 2020. Um, you can also email us at lit liturgy at gmail.com. L I T L I T U R G Y at gmail.com. So our plans, at least our right now, our plans for our next uh, podcast will be like, what are you doing creatively during quarantine? Are you returning to worship? What does that look like? Are you doing some sort of hybrid model? Who the hell knows? It's 2020. Our goal is to talk about that. And so send us what you're doing. I mean, how this year has been going, we might instead do an episode about how to talk about the recent volcanic eruptions. And or alien locusts. abductions. Who knows? Our, our, our cat alien overlords are going to come back and demand tribute. How, how, do, we, how do we collect offering for them? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you also again to Brian Ardine for our great theme music. Ha, I got it twice today. Oh boy. I didn't know this was a contest. I better get, I better get back on the ball with this. Um, in the meantime, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>